0: Take your bibles and go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 2, Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, and we're, the Lord's leading, working our way through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we go to the book of Ecclesiastes, we really find Solomon putting to test the philosophy of the world. And the the world's philosophy is there is no God. You've only got a short life, and so you might as well serve yourself and get as much pleasure as you can possibly get out of life because surely life is just about your pleasure. But what we find out is that most people in the pursuit of pleasure find out that ultimately it's empty. Ultimately it's empty, and at best it's short, And most of the time, the pursuit of pleasure leads you down, pleasure primarily leads you down a path of corruption that that leads to your demise. How many of you ever watch somebody try to please their flesh and they've pleased themselves so much that finally there's nothing left and the pleasure that they sought turns into the very thing that takes their life? I don't like it. It breaks my heart. But it's a reality. And when we live for pleasure, we live for the world, we find out that the end of the world's philosophy is vanity and vexation of spirit. We come to the book of Ecclesiastes and Solomon is uh, pursuing everything there is to pursue in life. And when he comes to the end of everything he's pursued and no one has pursued it any further than him, Uh, We see that Solomon just has to acknowledge when you live life without the consideration of God and eternity, uh, life is empty. Uh, Life is empty. And so we come in our text tonight to Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. And uh, we're actually we'll back up into chapter number one and read a few verses because uh, these things come together. The introduction of the Book of Ecclesiastes, the first eleven verses of uh, of chapter number one, and then uh, it begins to highlight some things that hi- that uh, Solomon is going to try and attempt to see if they will satisfy his soul. These things that are available under the sun in life, and each time he comes back with it, vanity and vexation of spirit. In verse 12, the first thing he's going to try is knowledge. He's going to try knowledge. Surely, if he knows everything there is to know, then surely that will satisfy his soul. And he says in verse 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail Hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate. And I've gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow." And we talked about and went through those verses last week, and the first point of my message tonight is something we've already talked about, and I'm going to roll through it quickly, the vanity of knowledge. Now, I'm telling you that everything that I'm going to emphasize tonight are gifts that God has given us to be put in the right perspective. Now, some people are so ignorant to think that ignorance is somehow spiritual. That's not true. I'll just tell you the Bible the I shouldn't say the Bible but the preacher who thinks that study and preparation is not necessary in teaching and preaching and doing the work of the preacher in the church and he lauds ignorance, he's going and barking down a path that God would not approve. Why do you think God says study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? I'll tell you why he says it, because you have to work at and and you, if you're going to teach something, you're going to have to study in order to teach it. <laughs> and ignorance and being ignorant is not something you should be proud of. But I'll have you know something, the pursuit of knowledge and understanding is not something that is going to ultimately satisfy your soul. I've met people through the years that feel like if somehow they can get one more degree, that's going to be the thing that satisfies them. But it's just not so. And Solomon said, I sought to know wisdom. And as far as we know, he's the wisest man that ever lived other than Christ himself. But Solomon said, I've read all there is to read. I know all there is to know. I've experienced and I've become very wise and knowledgeable. And at the end of my search, he says, it's vanity. Vanity, a vapor. It's temporary. It's vanity and vexation of spirit. Vanity and vexation of spirit. Something that breaks my heart when certain people die. Die that I love, is the loss of what they know. Uh, the loss of what they know. How many of you, someone has, has gone on to heaven, someone's died, and you think sometimes, man, if I could just talk to them, they would be able to give me the right answer about the thing that I'm dealing with. And so Solomon was dealing with that. He was thinking, look, at best, all I can learn is temporary. It's not gonna last forever. It's vanity. And then he said it's a vexation of spirit. How many of you learned something? And once you learned it, man, it broke your heart that you knew it. He says, my lands, the more I learn, the more I realize we've got a mess on our hands. Now, knowledge is good, but if you think somehow knowing something and knowledge is going to be the thing that makes you happy and satisfies your soul, you're wrong. There's such vanity in knowledge. You meet a lot of empty, educated people. Now, I'm all for education. But if education becomes your God, like all other gods other than the Lord Jesus Christ, it is an inferior God. And we need to learn something about the vanity of knowledge. The second thing I want to bring your attention is the vanity of Now, there's something that recurs here throughout this text. In verse number 16, the Bible says, I commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate. Verse number 17 of chapter 1, I gave my heart to know wisdom. Verse number 1 of chapter 2, he says, I said in my heart, Go to now, I will prove thee. Verse number 3, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom. There's a recurring idea about the heart. And I'm getting ready to read our text and take the main part of our message. And I know it's a little bit different way to do it. Your heart. The world is so rich with foolish, errant philosophy. Here's one. You ready for it? Follow your heart. Now listen. I know people say silly things that make them feel better. And I'm not, I'm not being too picky. But let me tell you something. Follow your heart is a trap. Don't do it. How many, how many of you have ever come to a place where you felt with all your heart something. But you found out later that all your heart was wrong. How many of you have ever been there? Yeah. I'll just tell you. Our heart will lead us astray. People say things like, "I, I know. I know my heart. Well, the Bible says you don't know your heart. The Bible says that your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Not only do you don't know it, but nobody else knows it. Only God knows it, and God knows it well enough to know, hey, look, your heart's desperately wicked. (laughs) Now, follow your heart. Now, there's nothing in the world wrong with dreaming. There's nothing in the world wrong with having goals there's nothing in the world wrong with wanting to pursue excellence as a matter of fact, God puts those kind of things in our heart. You should follow the Lord first there's other kinds of in other kinds of errant slogans I was reading a few of these in my preparation. What about this one? Nothing is wrong if it makes you happy <laughs> uh. Wrong. (laughs) Nothing is wrong if it makes you happy. Here's another one. If it makes you happy, go for it. Now, here's the problem. There are a lot of people. There's a lot of people who have exalted because they've removed God and eternity and truth from their way of thinking that they literally actually live their lives with these philosophies. And some of them sit in churches just like ours. Follow your heart. If it makes you happy, it can't be wrong. And I'll just tell you what happens. When you make happiness and your own desires and the lust of your flesh, that's what your heart is. When you make that the goal of your life and your ambition to fulfill the yearnings of your heart, I'm just going to tell you right now, Solomon is telling us that's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to end good. It's not going to be pretty. And Solomon begins this book of the Bible. And and if we're honest, it's a little depressing, the first couple chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes, in light of the fact that, that there's just so much emptiness in life. But I'm going to tell you something. If you'll take to heart the fact that the things of life will not satisfy you, but God has made it possible for you to be satisfied in Him and have the joys of life, if you'll come to grips and understand that truth, this is going to be not the most depressing thing you've ever heard, but the most awesome truth and freeing thing you've ever known because we have got life we've got life to live and god's blessing for life and god's grace for life and god gives us the pleasures of life and they're sweet and they're awesome and also god has given us something that lasts longer than the shortness of life and we have eternity You see, if Christian people are only looking for Jesus to make life better, they're going to ultimately be empty because life is short. Life is painful. Life is difficult. I'm just telling you, it's a fact. And if I didn't tell you, you'd find it out to be true, right? But in spite of the difficulties of life, God and his mercy and grace has made so many things in life Wonderful. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in life I love. And Solomon does never denies that there's a lot of things in life that are really good. But he reminds us that if we get life and eternity and their priorities out of order, then we are going to find out that the thrills of life are short, temporary, and they vex us if we separate them from the eternity that God has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. And so let's read our text, verse number, chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I it in mine heart to give myself unto wine. Yet, acquaint, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water wherewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the lights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. I was great And increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired. I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. And on all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold all. Was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Let's consider these things tonight. As we look at the this passage of scripture, we've talked about the vanity of knowledge. Now we must talk about the vanity of pleasure. The vanity of pleasure. Now, Solomon said, he said, now, I wanted to find out in my heart if there was anything on this earth that would absolutely satisfy my soul. And he's like, you know, I want to prove something. I want to see if I can uh, make this experiment come to life. He, He looked and he thought, he thought, no one has ever had more than I have. And he says, so here's my chance to have an experiment to see if there's something in life that will ultimately fulfill the yearning of my soul. And he said, I sought for knowledge. And wisdom was the thing, and we praise him for seeking wisdom, and it's good. Wisdom was the first thing that Solomon sought after. And when he got, and he'd learned all there was to learn in society, he said, you know what? All it was was vanity and vexation of spirit.'" Then he says in the second part here, the first part of chapter 2, he says there's vanity in pleasure. He said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. You see, the knowledge seeking was that yearning for education. You ever met somebody that just thought, man alive, if I could just be more educated, I'd have everything I need. And, uh, And it just ends up empty. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. But the next person we meet is this person who is a pleasure seeker this is the person who doesn't really care as much about working as they do enjoying life eat drink and be merry uh Live life, love. That's the one we make fun of at our house. That sign: Live life, love, live life. And really, I think it's fine and good. But the the truth is, you have this person who's the pleasure seeker. They're always looking for the next high, the next thrill. They're looking for the next the next thing that will will just give them some comfort and give them some joy and give them a thrill and some some love. So the scripture says here. Therefore, he said, I saw, I set out to enjoy pleasure. In verse two, he said, I said of laughter. It is mad and of mirth. What do it? He says. He says. I set it up where I could laugh, 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 laugh. He said I got it worked out where I just had. I was belly laughing all the time. He says when I had had all the laughs I could stand. I looked back and I thought, man, it's just madness. It it doesn't it doesn't add up to anything. There's a story, and as I've studied this passage, scriptures came up a couple times, so I must tell it. But uh, Billy Graham tells a story of a uh, of a. a a shrink that had uh, uh, met with this guy. When he met with this guy, this guy was in a desperate, horrible spot. I mean, the guy just just told him how awful life was, how he hated everything, and life was. And the the psychiatrist he was he had he had done said all he knew to say, and he 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 looked at the guy and he said, "You know, I, I'm really sorry that I don't feel like I've helped you much." He said he said, but You know, here's here's something that may help you a little bit. He said, There is a guy in town. He is the best and most renowned comedic comedian that you've that the world's ever known. And you can go and listen to him and maybe you'll just let maybe you can just take a little time and laugh a little bit and enjoy it. And the man looked at him and says, I'm the comedian. I'm the comedian. And Solomon said, you know, I thought, you know, it's fun to laugh. Now, I love to laugh. And I love, I just love it. We, on Sunday, we did this little filter on the phone. And it was the funniest thing. That this filter on the phone, it makes you look like you're crying. You've ever done any of those filters on your phone? It makes you look like you're crying. Well, the harder you laugh that thing, the harder it looks like you're crying on the screen. And I was just, I was barely laughing. My kids were making fun of me, everybody's mad. But I was looking at that. And I, this is hilarious. And I really had a great time with that. But it's only so good for so long. You know what I mean? And so Solomon said, he said, he said, laughing is so much fun, and it's medicine for the soul, and truly it is, but laughing all the time is not something that satisfies you. It is not As a matter of fact, you find the people, the real lifey, bubbly people, a lot of times those are people that are hiding a lot of hurt. And uh, Solomon said, mm, there was vanity and pleasure. He says, laughing, it was madness. Verse three, he said, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. And he says, I also he said, I tried wine. Now I'll just tell you, we're in an uh, epidemic of drunkenness in our society. It's awful. I mean, every so-called joy that our society thinks they can experience, it revolves around drunkenness. And you know why you have to get drunk in order to have a good time? Because you have something to cover up. There's not true joy in your heart. There's not true pleasure in your heart. There's not true peace in your heart. So you've got to mask all the wickedness and all the trouble and the emptiness that That spot that God belongs, you've got to mask it with drunkenness in order for you to be able to enjoy the moment. But when the moment's over, guess what? Solomon said, I tried wine. He said, but when I finished, it was vanity and vexation of spirit. It didn't work. Folks, the pleasure seeker, the pleasure seeker is going to find out that pleasure is not what satisfies our soul." Oh, there's so much about the pleasures of life that God has blessed us with. But don't be fooled into thinking that all pleasure is going to satisfy your soul. You see, we have to have Jesus' eternity in mind. And God makes the pleasure sweeter when Jesus is the king and the Lord of our lives. Solomon said, I sought pleasure. It didn't work. Knowledge didn't work. Pleasure didn't work. He says, how about wealth and accomplishment? Wealth and accomplishment. The first person you see, the educated. The second person you see is the whoo-hoo, party animal. The third person you see in Solomon, he tries them all, is the guy, he's the motivated, entrepreneurial, the driven person. He says, I'm going to accomplish something and do something with my life. Solomon said, here's what I did. Verse 4, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them of all kind of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. Now, he's doing all kinds of stuff. He said, I did great works. I builded me houses. I think that's fun. That's, that's great. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. He built him houses. He planted vineyards. I don't know about you, but I like grapes. He planted vineyards. He made gardens. I like gardens. Hallelujah. Gardening's a lot of fun, isn't it? How many of you love to garden? Isn't that sweet? God gave us that. It's something we can enjoy. He said, I made gardens. I planted trees uh, with all kinds of fruit. How many of you like fruit trees, apples and grapefruits and orange? Hallelujah. That's good. He said, I made fruit trees. He said, I made pools of water to water the wood that bringeth forth trees. He said, I made pools of water where I could irrigate forests so he could build more houses. Verse number seven, I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle. He He said, I've got servants. I've got all kinds of help. I've got employees galore. I've got employees. I've been employing people for so long that some of my employees' children are my employees now. It's good. He says, I've got great possessions. I thought this was kind of neat. Verse number seven. I had great possessions of great and small cattle. It wasn't good enough just to have cattle. He had big cattle and he had little cattle. He wanted to try the big ones for a while, and he also wanted to try the miniature ones for a while. He just he had great, small, great and small cattle. And here's something you need to see I've underlined in my text. The end of verse seven. Above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He says, the things I did, I did bigger and better than anybody else had ever done. Because surely, if I can beat everybody else, that will satisfy my soul, right? Wrong. Verse 8, I gathered me silver and gold, peculiar treasures of kings. He said, I got things that only a king could get. And of provinces, I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men. As musical instruments and that of all sorts, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me. And drew. He, I did it. He tells me, tells us again. He said I was bigger and better than anybody's ever come before me. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and I've not lost my mind. Is what he says in verse number ten. He says, whatsoever mine eyes desired. I kept not from them. I read that verse, and I remember as a kid watching on TV. They used to give away uh, shopping sprees at Toys R Us. Any of you ever remember that uh, shopping sprees at Toys R Us? And I remember watching those kids push those buggies through Toys R Us on TV, and they're raking all these toys that I would love. I would have loved to had raking them into their carts, and then they're getting another cart, and they're all they could get in in x amount of time. And I thought, man, that would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I would love it. Now I want to have a shopping spree at Home Depot. But, uh, or the Ford dealership. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? But, anyway, the bottom line is when I think about Solomon, you think about Solomon says, he he says in verse, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. He would. He was waking up in the mornings and thinking about something ridiculous, crazy that he might on a whim want to try. And that day he could do it. He could have anything, anytime, anywhere. He said, I didn't keep anything from me that my eyes or my heart wanted to have. He said, I kept not them from, I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit on the sun. Look at verse 11. He says, then. So here's what happened to Solomon. And we don't know exactly how many years this went on, but for some, time, for some time Solomon was building houses and building orchards and putting in irrigation systems and growing forests so he could build more houses. And he was, he, he was enjoying uh, all that there was to have on this planet. And every day he was getting up thinking, hmm, what do I want to do today? And the most extravagant, crazy things you could ever imagine, to entertain himself. With. He was taking advantage of it that day. And he did that every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And finally, he got tired of it. Can you imagine? If Solomon got tired of doing anything he wanted to do anytime he wanted to do it, what's that tell you? What Solomon wants me to tell you is that I've experienced what you think somehow and the devil's put in your heart that to make you think that if you can have all the things you want, folks, folks live their whole life to be retired. And when they get retired, it's huh, ain't what it's all cracked up to be. People live their whole lives to get to some place that they're not they live their whole lives trying to get somewhere where they're not. And they think, when I can get to the place where I'm not, then everything's going to be great. And Solomon said, I did anything I wanted to do, anytime I want to do it. And the Bible says, then. He got tired of it. I've always been a dreamer. I still am. I'll probably die this way, and that's fine. But I remember as a little boy, seeing the in elementary school, Early in elementary school, I remember watching the sixth graders walk down the hall. I thought, man, those guys. If I could be in sixth grade, that would be amazing. And when you're in sixth grade, you've got to know almost everything there is. This, if I could be in sixth grade, that would be wow. And I was just oh, enamored. I ran in yesterday. the The high school basketball team is doing a children's camp for basketball down there at the high school this week. And I was in the line at the bank, and there was a vehicle and a young kid right beside of me. He had a basketball in his in his lap, and his window was rolled down. And uh, he, he was—you he, he was, would tell—he's was a precious kid. And uh, Ian and Hudson—they're the high school basketball players that are helping run the camp. And so I asked him. I said, "So have you been to camp this week?" He said, "I said, have you met Hudson and Ian?" He's like, "I said." Are they any good at basketball? He's like, I said, I said, do you think I could beat them? He went, I said, I can. I can. I know I can. He said, but you know, you look and you think, oh man, if I could just be a high schooler, if I could just be in high. And I remember the sixth graders walking down the hall, and I remember being in seventh grade, and I was intimidated by the eighth graders. And going to ninth grade, I was intimidated by the, can you imagine being a junior or a senior? And then you get to college, and the intimidation begins to go away, some. But you think, man, to be able to graduate from, from college, or you, 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 have, you become acquainted with folks that uh, are, are getting married, and actually the first time a guy becomes the pastor. I remember thinking, man, at Bowling Springs, I was 26 years old, and I'm like, I'm the pastor of this church. I thought if I ever got to be the pastor of a church, man, I'd know everything. But I realize now, I'm a big dummy. Lord, help me, please. And now I've been pastoring and preaching for 20-some years. i think, like, Lord, please help me. I don't know nothing. But we have this idea and notion, if I could get to there, if I could live in that house, if I could have this thing, if I could have this possession, if I could accomplish this play, thing with my life, then surely once I get there, I can kind of, ha, 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 this is great, and live happily ever after. I'm going to tell you something, you can live happily ever after, but it's not going to be a stage in your life. It's not going to be an accomplishment. It's got to be. It's not going to be knowledge. It's not going to be pleasure. It's not going to be wealth and accomplishment. You can live happily ever after. You can live happy and you can live forever if you'll do this. If you'll let. The Lord Jesus Christ be the king of your life. And God, the creator God of the universe and our savior Jesus Christ be the God of your life. Because if you make education, pleasure or wealth your God, you're going to find out there are gods that will drop you on your head. And Solomon spends this whole time and the Holy Spirit of God leads him to pen these words. Why? So that he can wake up folks who know Jesus by faith as their savior but have been sucked into the trap that the world says, "Follow your heart," and the people who follow their hearts they think, "Well, I can be happy if I have another wife that's not my own. I can be happy if I have another husband that's not my own. I can be happy if I have another job that's not the one I have. I can be happy if I go to a different church. I can be happy." If I no, 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 no. If Jesus is not Lord of your life and King of your life and He's not first now and you're not satisfied in Him, there's never going to be a stage in your life where you have peace in your heart because you can't without God. God created you. God is your Father. God completes you and helps you. And I'll just tell you something. When He becomes Lord first and King first, you know what happens next? When Jesus is King of your life, you know what you learn? You learn to have be satisfied in sixth grade and seventh grade and eighth grade and satisfied as an employee instead of the boss. And if you haven't ever become the boss, you become satisfied with being the boss and you make happy employees. And you if you ever get that nice house, you're happy there because you're happy already. Don't get sucked into the trap that says some things will make you happy. Solomon says, no, don't do it. I had the means to experiment. And when my experiment comes back and it's plain and it's loud and clear, everything under the sun is vanity and vexation of spirit. If it is devoid of God, put God first. Put God first. And then, oh, my Lance, God by his grace and mercy and in love has given us so many awesome things to love and enjoy. Oh, it's good. Everything under the sun is truly vain and vexation of spirit unless Jesus is the God of your life. and You worship him first and then everything under the sun is sweet because God in love has provided it for us. It's sweet. Not only is life sweet, but eternity is sweeter. God will help you through the burdens and troubles of life and Eternity is sweet. Hey, listen, don't fall into the trap. What is it that you're seeking after? Education, wisdom, knowledge, pleasure, accomplishments. Hey, look, if you forsake God to go get them, you're going to find out at the end they're very empty. God's faithful. Let's pray.